Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. How's it going? Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I am very pleased to bring you every week the stories of the people, places, ideas, and companies shaping the future of agribusiness. I love our episode here today because as much as we love to talk about the technological aspects of agriculture, about the sustainability of agriculture, about the entrepreneurial ventures in agriculture, at its core, our industry is really all about the people. We exist to solve people problems, problems related to feeding people, to clothing people, to providing people with shelter and natural resources that they need to live happy and productive lives. So this episode today is all about people. It's all about providing a forum for open discussion about how we allow various people from all different backgrounds, from different perspectives, from different races, religions, genders, orientations, to feel welcome to connect with their food supply, to make them feel welcome to connect with an industry that provides their basic needs every day. Now, that connection may be through becoming an employee in agribusiness. It may be uh, starting to get involved in production agriculture. It may just be from the perspective of being an informed consumer. But it is in our industry's best interest to be widely touted as an open and inclusive place for everyone to get involved. Now, in your experience, agriculture may have always been a very inclusive place open to anyone who wants to work hard, be honest, and treat people right. And that's fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, there are other people from different backgrounds or from different lifestyles that may not feel that way. They may feel like they cannot be their true authentic selves and still work in this industry or participate in this industry at the level in which they want to. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem we should look at. And I think it's a problem important for solving for the future of agriculture. And that's why I wanted to bring on today Marcus Holland. He's the chief learning officer of Studio 5 Learning and Development and one of the founders of the Cultivating Change Foundation, which exists to value and elevate LGBT community within agriculture and agribusiness. So I encourage you to tune into this interview and listen with an open mind, willing to be empathetic and see the world through someone else's lens, because it's that diversity that's extremely important to the future of our industry. And I think you'll get a lot out of this about how we work together with anyone who we may perceive as different than us in any way. Enjoy this interview with Marcus Holland. Well, Marcus, I'm excited about our topic here today about diversity and inclusion in agriculture and agribusiness. But before we dive into that, uh, could you just give us a little bit about your ag background? Yeah, absolutely, Tim. Um, I'll start from the beginning. I, I grew up in uh, Mariposa, California. It's a small rural community in the foothills of Yosemite National Park. Um, and, and as a youth growing up in rural America, as you know, and as well as many of the folks that are listening right now, that... 4-H and FFA programs serve as a solid foundation for our personal and professional development, as well as giving youth an opportunity to see the world by leaving the confines of the county lines um, and to view the world through a different lens, all while serving as ambassadors for agricultural education. 
And uh, like many others, the 4-H and FFA had opened doors to me that I never uh, would have been connected with otherwise. And I can probably say that a great deal of where I am and who I am professionally today is because of that involvement that I had as a youth growing up in those programs. Um, after high school, I served as a state FFA leader for California FFA, um, then went on to complete my undergraduate work in agricultural business at California State University, Chico, um, and then was later hired as a leadership development coordinator um, for California FFA, where I spent several years um, before educational opportunities called me to the University of Kentucky um, as a graduate student in the Department of Community and Leadership Development. Um, I now work for Studio 5 Learning and Development as their chief learning officer. Well, Marcus, it's probably appropriate before we dive into to the topic at hand here just to, to frame up some terms, because I know I get a little bit uh, confused, or at least I'll use terms like uh, diversity and inclusion as sort of synonymous. Can, can you help us sort of define the terms involved with, with diversity and inclusion? Absolutely. I, I'm glad that you asked this question. I think that Defining the terms within diversity and inclusion um, can be complex and confusing to define at times, um, especially if you're not consistently involved in it from a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I myself continue to learn and grow in diversity and inclusion, um, and, but I'm happy to share some of the ways that we can better understand the specific terminologies. Um, the diversity um, to start with is, is about recognizing and honoring that differences exist. Um, we can look at personality, language, uh, learning styles, life experiences, social differences. Um, it's about diversity of thought and worldviews. And we often hear the, the phrase that we are more alike than we are different. Uh, and where there is indeed truth in that statement, I, I believe that there is also power in recognizing our differences is that it's also celebrating and honoring who we are. Um, now, inclusion is about purposefully and intentionally wanting to be a part of a, um, of a community, to infuse ourselves into a community that's different than the one that we know. Um, inclusion is more behavioral. It's a thought process, and it's, it's how we consciously engage within a diverse community. Um, when we shift to equality, uh, it's simply saying that we all have access to be successful and that we recognize one's full potential regardless of background. Um, and in the simplest term, equality means sameness, um, to have the same, but the fact in life is that we're not the same. Um, we are a whole host of differences that make up who, who we are, um, of our backgrounds and our upbringings and, and our ideologies. Um, However, I think that what most people want isn't necessarily equality, but I think that what we really want is equity. Our concern for each person changes, and it's, it's not about treating everyone the same, but rather making sure that everyone has the same basic access. Um, I, I like to use um, um, the example in, in clothing, um, and you know, let's say that Agrad um, has a standard uniform button-up uh, dress shirt that, that you wear to work. Um, equality would say, Tim, that everyone at Agrod will be given a medium-sized button-up. You know, all given the same size shirt. Oh, that would where, be for me. <laughs> right, right. Where, whereas equity says that everyone at work is going to receive a button-up that fits their body size. And, 
as much as I too would uh, would love to brag that I could fit into a medium button up um, or any medium sized clothing, equity ensures that I have access to a larger size shirt. Um, so diversity is the, the differences in who we are and inclusion is the desire to be a part of a community different from our own. Equality is the sameness while equity is ensuring that everyone has the same basic access. Wow. Yeah, that that was really uh, a lot more profound than uh, I anticipated. No, th- those are all very uh, important terms. And, and I guess I was kind of using them all to sort of throw at this general concept. But but it does seem like there are uh, certainly some differences between the two. I think a lot of us. Uh, our intentions are pure when it comes to working with people who are different than us, but we hesitate to engage about our differences because you don't want to to offend anyone or you don't want to seem um, intolerant, right? Right. Are, are there any sort of tips or uh, just briefly advice you can give to those of us uh, who want to engage with someone who's different than us, but also want to do so in a sensitive, empathetic way? The biggest advice that I that I tell folks is just ask questions, um, and 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 ask intentional and purposeful questions to gain insight, to expand your mind, to think about something from a different lens. But we can only do that by having relationships with individuals that are different than us, and having conversations with individuals that are different than us. Um, if you can imagine, if you never, ever, ever, Tim, hung out your entire life, I mean, you're in your mid to, to late 30s. Um, mid 30s, Marcus, mid, don't, thir- don't mid push 30s, it Mid 30s, <laughs> But imagine, um, so, you know, white, male, heterosexual. Let's say your entire life, Tim, you never interacted with anyone that wasn't white or wasn't a heterosexual your whole life. You didn't know anyone. You never spoke to anybody. All you knew and the only people that you were ever connected to were those that looked like you and did the things that you did, which is fine because that's called diversity, right? It's, it's honoring and celebrating who we are. The inclusion aspect is about us then saying, okay, how do I then learn more about something that's different from what I know? How do I immerse myself into a culture or an aspect that is that is um, different than one maybe I was brought up in or one that I don't know enough about? But it's about making connections with those that are part of those communities of which you want to become more knowledgeable in, making those relationships and having that dialogue with those individuals to gain a better understanding and perspective of those differences. You and you and Jesse Eller have, have sort of uh, taken up the torch on diversity and inclusion and promoting those values in, in agriculture and agribusiness by starting the Cultivating Change Foundation. Ultimately, what inspired you to, to launch this organization? Yeah, well, there is there's two known facts that, that we have. Um, one, the population's increasing, uh, which means food production is going to increase. Um, and two, that we know that we have less people connected in careers in agriculture than we did before. Um, we've, we believe that if American agriculture is expected to continue to thrive, um, that we must not only look at how to diversify what we produce and how we produce it, but, but also the diversity of the people that are producing it. Um, that are involved in agriculture, that are on um, from a day-to-day basis, and the people that are feeding and clothing the world. Um, our mission for the Cultivating Change Foundation is to value and elevate LGBT agriculturalists through advocacy, education, and, and community. 
as both gay men and products of both ag education and, and the agricultural industry, um, co-founder Jesse Eller and I wanted to help create a space for both communities to thrive, um, the agricultural community and the LGBT community, by providing a platform for networking, personal and professional development, um, as well as a space to have to share best practices within the industry and also tend to explore the various disciplines within the industry through the lens of diversity and inclusion. Um, we are about building community capacity um, by celebrating agriculture and celebrating the people who are working to grow and advance the industry. I know with starting any new venture, especially one that's asking people to sort of expand and broaden their worldview, it, it can be a challenge. Uh, what types of challenges have you and Jesse faced in launching the Cultivating Change Foundation? Yeah, I, I we've we've learned that, that that people who are unfamiliar with how current laws and, and social stigmas affect lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Americans often have the same question, and that is, what exactly is it that LGBT Americans want? Um, and, and the answer is, is as simple as the question is. And that is that LGBT Americans want the same chances as everyone else uh, to pursue health and happiness, to earn a living, to be safe in their communities, to serve their country, and and to take care of the ones that they love. Um, and unfortunately, Tim, we know that laws and, and legal protections currently stand in the way of this very basic human goal. Um, when I think of the challenges that face LGBT populations in agriculture, um, we, we often turn to an organization who prides itself on being the voice of American agriculture, um, the American Farm Bureau Federation. Um, currently, in its, in its governing, governing bylaws, uh, American Farm Bureau states that they only recognize traditional marriage between a man and a woman. And although efforts have been made by members of Farm Bureau to change current policy, uh, it continues to fail to progress a more inclusive space. And so what message does that send? And, and then how, does, how do we coin the term the voice for American agriculture when we're openly excluding specific agriculturalists from feeling connected and affirmed in an industry that they love. Um, and, and the other challenge that we, we look to is where we see it involves the focus on youth in rural America. Uh, I've shared before, and the Trevor Project is a national nonprofit that, that provides um, crisis intervention and suicide prevention for LGBT youth in the United States. And, Last year alone, Tim, they had over 200,000 phone calls from youth ages 13 to 23. And of those 200,000 phone calls, three quarters of those calls coming from the Midwest and the southern parts of the United States. Now, people are cognitively wired to be in a place to call home, um, a connection, a tribe, if you will, to have a shared human experience with. And when we don't have these things, we, we begin to feel isolated, and that isolation is what leads to what we're seeing and the rise in mental health issues that are happening as well. So we have leadership in an industry that's excluding LGBT community, and we have youth in rural communities living in isolation and fear. Those to us are the real challenges facing the ag industry as it continues to grow into becoming more inclusive. Um, we pride ourselves on being an agricultural organization who, who brings together individuals within the LGBT community, as well as our straight allies of the community as well. Um, our message is resolute and in showcasing the diversity within those communities that exist within agriculture, but 
Also recognizing similarities while embracing the differences in order to elevate our industry and the agriculturalists who live and work in it. Well, I think, you know, what you just stated makes the moral case for diversity and inclusion in, in any industry uh, really obvious that, you know, everyone should should be able to live their authentic selves and, and still be a part of, of pursuing happiness, as you as you mentioned. Uh, but what's the business case? A lot of the people listening to this show are, are coming at agriculture and agribusiness from a very business minded uh, perspective. What's the business case for promoting diversity and inclusion? You know, we recently did an article in the Agricultural Education Magazine where we talked about this very topic extensively, looking at global workforce development as it relates to agriculture and ag education. And we talked about that in order to be more successful, agricultural businesses and organizations strive to develop employees to work more effectively with colleagues from different, from different uh, cultures um, and backgrounds than our own. And it makes sense when you consider that our industry produces, markets, and delivers agricultural products via a multicultural workforce to a multicultural consumer force. So culturally responsive and and inclusive agricultural businesses and, and organizations will continue to be the ones who rise above and who continue to employ top tier talent and who will continue to move um, the industry forward. Um, there's uh, through the human rights campaign has also tend developed um, what is called a corporate equality index, which is a, a national benchmarking tool on corporate policies and practices related to supporting and protecting LGBT employees within companies and organizations. Now, they utilize a variety of criteria and metrics to evaluate and score corporations based on how inclusive their policies are for employees. And so why this is important for businesses and organizations to know, and we encourage you to to go and check out this Corporate Equality Index more in depth on the HRC website, but it allows prospective employees and will become a stronger tool down the the road for prospective employees, the opportunity to, to look and see where companies are ranked and whether or not they support um, and have policies in place to support who I am as an employee. And so we look at um, both the global workforce development, we're working at how how, um, through HRC, how corporations and companies, how inclusive they are and supporting. Um, So the business cases is how do we continue to thrive? How do we continue to promote? How do we continue to recruit top tier talents into spaces in agriculture that like we said before, we're, we're, we have less people employed in, in the industry today than we did before, and we don't have room to exclude anyone else um, at this point. Now, Cultivating Change Foundation is operated by your employer, which is Studio 5 Learning and Development, of, of which you're the chief learning officer. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Studio 5 specifically and, and what you all do there? Absolutely. Um, uh, CEO and founder, uh, Mr. Jesse Lee Eller, launched uh, Studio 5 as a creative design firm that focuses on learning and development. Uh, We work with corporations and organizations of all sizes on transferring knowledge um, and transferring content. Um, We work with, uh, from the global tech world, um, even to um, here in the ag industry within companies, Studio 5 sits as either an external learning and development division for a company, or we serve as the learning and development division of that company. Um, 
We um, pride ourselves as being experienced designers. Uh, we challenge the norm um, on how knowledge is creatively and experientially transferred um, by, by designing, managing, um, and, and delivering impactful learning solutions. Um, and we're also excited to be celebrating four years of this October. Very cool. And knowing you and Jesse both, I know you both, uh, your hearts will always be, be in agriculture and agribusiness, at least to some extent. Hey, everybody, I just thought this would be the perfect time to call your attention to the primary supporter of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, which you know we are a part of, uh, and that is BASF. Uh, BASF has scored a perfect score of 100 on that corporate equality index that Marcus is talking about uh, that the Human Rights Campaign puts out. So fantastic for them to be a leader in the industry when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Uh, I decided to reach out and ask them about this, and they sent me a fantastic example of why this is so important to them. For Justin Gailiard, herbicides manager at BASF, diversity and inclusion is very personal. He is the founder of Alchemy, which is A-L-L-C-H-E-M-I-E, a BASF employee resource group focused on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and their allies within the organization. For Justin, founding this group and creating an open, inclusive environment has been extremely important in ensuring that all employees can bring their true, authentic selves to the workplace without fear of reprisal or intimidation. He says that this has allowed him to focus on bringing his best to the workplace instead of being worried about hiding portions of his life, such as his spouse or child. Justin's experience is why BASF is committed to diversity and inclusion. It's about recognizing, valuing, and leveraging the uniqueness of people and becoming more reflective of the markets and customers BASF serves. To learn more about BASF's diversity efforts, visit www.basf.com forward slash us. Very pleased to have BASF as a supporter of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. Now back to Marcus. Maybe in closing here, just paint us a picture of how the agriculture industry might look different if, if cultivating change was, was able to accomplish its mission of, of valuing and elevating the LBGTQ community in agriculture. I think if, we, if cultivating change does the work that it's supposed to be doing, that organizations like that um, will shift in how they're advocating policies and programs um, where the quality of life for agriculturalists and rural communities are full and that are striving. And that where an organization's policies reflect all farmers and ranchers in rural agriculture, um, and that we're able to change the hearts and minds of individuals um, and influence and change policy within leading organizations corporations and, and small businesses. And in reality, it's, it's, it's also about how we do it. Um, and we strive ourselves on how we're doing it and, and how we're bringing people to the table and bringing in fruitful dialogue and intentional collaboration. Um, I think that it's not just what we're doing, but I believe it's how the foundation is doing it. It's going back to grassroots. It's going back to, we're putting on receptions in, 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 in large cities, but bringing in the rural community of that city. So individuals that left rural America, but are a product of it, we're bringing those folks together in large cities to talk about, um, to talk about this topic and to bring these people back together into an intentional and purposeful collaboration that we hope is going to continue to stem and create positive um, outcomes for, for people in the future. 
It, and Marcus, they, uh, this show is going to be live. So if you're listening to it on the day it comes out, June 14, 2017, you all have a Cultivating Change Summit coming up in just a couple weeks. Can you give us the details on that if Gay said we would like to participate? Absolutely. Um, June 21st through the 23rd, we'll be having our third um, annual summit in Sacramento. And uh, we um, please do check out our website at cultivatingchangefoundation.org. Um, you'll see our lineup of incredible speakers, workshop presenters. We have, um, in, in one that I would love to, um, to highlight is our fireside chat panel, which is our conference-wide um, discussion um, panel that talks about the, um, the future of agriculture through the lens of diversity and inclusion. And it brings together leaders within the industry um, to be the ones that are having that dialogue and talking about where we are and where it is that we're headed, much like the conversation um, we've had today, um, but in a formalized setting on a stage. Um, but we have individuals, we've got um, the VP of Customer Growth Capabilities at Tyson Foods. Um, we've got the VP of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of California. We've got the Global Pesticide Development um, for North American Region at BASF, the National President of the Minorities in Agriculture and Natural Resources Organization, uh, the National Teach Ag Campaign Director for NAAE, um, the VP of Global um, Art Research and Development for Monsanto, the CEO of National FFA, and the CEO of Renature Incorporated. And so those eight individuals, those eight minds are going to be really um, great panel to watch and to to listen for as they discuss these issues of which we're talking about today, but then even more so creating some plans of actions of what we can do within uh, within our disciplines and within agriculture um, and how we can better serve the ag industry and the roles that we have. Great. Well, don't miss that. We'll make sure we post the information in the show notes. This is 2017. So if you're listening in the future, uh, check out the website and I'm sure there's one coming up uh, in whatever year you're listening. So, Marcus, thank you very much for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. We appreciate the, the support and the time. Big thank you to Marcus Holland for being on the show and to, for sharing his experiences and uh, his vision uh, with the Cultivating Change Foundation. I personally am someone who values diversity greatly. I think having diversity of perspectives and ideas and of backgrounds and opinions on this show makes for a better show. I think it makes for a better industry. I think it makes for a better planet. So I hope you will consider how you can make the agricultural workplace or the agribusiness industry as a whole a more diverse and more inviting and more inclusive place so that everyone who wants to participate in our industry feels welcome because the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Also would love to connect with anyone who is a listener of this show on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there. Of course, my name is Tim Hamrich. I think I'll probably come up pretty quickly if you search my name. I don't know of another Tim Hamrich out there, but anyway, uh, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm going to start producing and sharing more content on that platform as it's as you can imagine, very important for me as an agribusiness recruiter to be active there. So let's connect on LinkedIn. Uh, find me at Tim Hamrich. Of course, I'll accept your invitation and would love to get to know you better. 
Hey, we're going to be wrapping up this series on ag education with Dr. Daniel Foster next week. You are going to love this interview. It reminded me a lot of uh, my interview with Stephen Ritz. I, I left it just excited, almost leaping out of my chair and kind of questioning why I wasn't teaching agriculture because it sounded so important and so awesome. And I think you're really, really, really going to love next week's interview with Dr. Daniel Foster, as I think you probably did here this week with Marcus Holland. So uh, really love doing this every week. If you have any feedback for me, you can always leave it on iTunes or send me a tweet at Tim Hamrich. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hamrich. Visit aggrad.com, that's A-G-G-R-A-D.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.